Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right. Well, hi, everybody. Let's try that one more time. Hi, everybody. Yes. Today we begin a new series. I'm so excited about it. I always love beginning a new series because we get to jump into some new, fresh ideas, and we are calling it To the City, which is sort of obvious that we are calling many things to the city this fall, and uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why. We're obviously calling what Scott just mentioned, uh, our, our seven-week course that we're doing, our group that's happening um, you know, over the next number of weeks. We're calling it To the City, Navigating Our Faith in Today's Culture. We're calling this series To the City, New Test- Letters from the New Testament. And then there is a book up in the front that says To the City on the, on the cover. Did anybody get this book when you walked in? If you got this book, yeah, just kind of let me know that you got to nod your head, something like that. If you did not get this book, it is for you. You need to pick it up for reals with a Z. You need to get this, all right? This is, this is what this is. This is a daily Bible reading plan of Romans through Hebrews, and uh, it's going to be really, really fun. It's a beautifully designed book with a daily reading plan um, of Romans through Hebrews. And uh, so let me just quickly mention why all this to the city language. Well, first of all, we're going to be walking through Romans through Hebrews to some degree. We're going to be reading through it every day. We're going to be touching on it on, on our Sundays over the next 14 weeks. And those letters, uh, well, eight of them are to cities or to groups of people. And then there's another three people that are addressed in those letters and so uh, as individuals. But most of, these, most of these words that we find in the scriptures that we're going to be looking at are to a city, right? They are to a group of people. And we've we feel like just as much as they were to a real group of people in a real time, because they are under the influence and power of the Spirit, because of the God, Word of God, they are for all people for all time. And they are for us, and there is a message to our city, to each and every one of us as individuals. So that's, that's the first reason all this to the city language. The second reason is as a church, we, of course, are always wanting to bring attention to the hope to love our city more, to love our neighbors more. Um, that we would be a church that is positioned and postured and hoping and praying for God's love to be poured out on our city in a, in a special way. And so uh, those are some of the reasons for all this language, but I, I just believe that this fall is going to be good for our soul, and we are trusting that reading God's Word together will bring life to you. Um, and so we know, and I, I think you would agree, at least most of you probably would, that reading the Bible together as a as a as a group of people, brings a lot of unity. It's not only good for unity, but it's good for your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And uh, we're excited about these books. A lot of hard work has went into them. Um, they're beautifully designed. Uh, Leslie Cook did an amazing job, and uh, we're very excited about them. And so here's the deal. Even if you're not a reader, uh, you can be like a little kid and just look at the pictures, okay? I don't, you know, just grab a book. They're for you. Um, but I think for a lot of us, this is, uh, is going to be a really really good thing. Our challenge, if you will, our encouragement to each and every one of you is to read the Bible. And that may sound like a very uh, sort of simple, sort of old school, like the fact, but it's very new school for many of us and very needed in many of our lives to say, yes, I need to be reading the scriptures. And so please, everyone take one of these books. They are for you. We have enough for everybody to have one. We'll have extras even that you can give away, all that kind of stuff. But we printed enough for all that to happen. And just so you know, I feel the need to say this. You do not have to be good at reading the Bible. You don't even have to be very spiritual to give this a shot. What this is, is it's a daily reading plan. It gives you a chapter or two a day to read. 
with one day off a week that you can kind of catch up if you need to. But it's a really simple approach to reading the scriptures, and each day has a couple reflection questions. You don't have to be spiritual. You don't have to understand the Bible all that much to start reading it. I know, and many of you know, that the more you read it, the more you'll start to understand it. Um, And so as you kind of just trust that the Lord is going to give you life through reading of his word, um, you'll see over time how that actually comes comes to pass. There are more difficult parts to read than others, are there not? Uh, We're going to start kind of at the deep end of the pool in the book of Romans, which has got a lot of theology, a lot of teaching in it, but there's so many deep wells of of just goodness to draw from. And so uh, we just suggest to keep reading. So if you're already reading the Bible, if you're already in the middle of a plan, maybe you'll see this as, hey, I'm going to add to it. I'm going to do more. This is a season of even doing more. If If you aren't doing anything, this is it. And by the way, no one's going to be checking up on you and seeing how you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no, there's just not, there's no Scantron at the end of the semester, <laughs> multiple choice test, anything like that. This is really a gift. A heart, as a heart, this is a gift to you to say, hey, we believe, we believe that when we do these sorts of things together that God's going to bring you life. And so that's why we're doing it. Sound good to everybody? Everybody all good? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Here we go. All right. So today we begin a new venture into the letters of, uh, of the New Testament and this, this idea that there are messages to the city. And we're going to look at passages kind of that go along with the reading plan. So today we're in Romans, so if you have a Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at a passage in Romans 8. And um, I want to teach from what I believe are one, is one of the most encouraging passages in, in, in all of the Bible, or at least especially in all of Romans uh, because, again, if you're just reading along and you're trying to read, if, if all we have are the first few chapters of Romans, you might think that perhaps God wasn't also all that happy with us because he talks a lot about how we have fallen short of the glory of God, which we all need to hear, that we are all lost in our sin, we are all in need of God, but we could kind of get the idea that, oh, man, what, what's really going on with the state of humanity? And then in chapter 8, there's a turn, and, and he's already been st- making the case for all that God has done to save us by this point. But in chapter 8, there's a turn um, that's a really cool one. There's a shift, and most, most theologians call chapter 8 sort of the high watermark of Romans. Um, you know, one, one commentator said, you know, if the Bible is, like a, is, is compared to like a ring, Romans is like a jewel on that ring, and Romans 8 is like a sparkle on that jewel. You know what I mean? In other words, it's a good chapter. You know what I mean? So read it. Some of the highlights include, like, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. One of the other highlights is, oh, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Oh, he says in verse 31, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Amen. And then, and then he says in verse 35, which is what we're going to look at today, he says this in 35 through 39. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that so good? I mean, this is an amazing scripture. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's how powerful his love is. We could spend the next, 
13 weeks talking about God's love, could we not? We could, we could spend the next number of, uh, even the rest of today, talking about how there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God once you have Christ Jesus in you. And so this is, there's another interesting line, though, that I want to kind of actually spend some time on today. And he says that we are more than conquerors. You got that? You're more than a conqueror. Like, like this is an amazing, kind of encouraging, exciting statement. We are more than conquerors. You know, we can go change the world. But I don't know about you. That's not how I always feel. <laughs> I wonder if I asked you, do you feel like a conqueror? How many would be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got that conquering thing going on in me right now. <laughs> Earlier this week, I was, uh, Grayson and I were playing video games together, which is funny because I never play video games and I'm totally terrible at video games. And he is only six, so he's not very good either. And, uh, and so we were playing against each other. And, <clears throat> and what was hilarious was like, I was trying to win and he beat me four out of six games. Like I was like trying. <laughs> and, he, and he would beat me and he would just fall over laughing. Like, <laughs> I mean, he just loved it. He loved that he was stronger than me. You know what I'm saying? Like he was loving it. And I was like, all right, bud, like, you, you totally demolished me. Let's, it's getting late. It's time to go to bed. That's it. And he's like, no, no, I want to play one more game. I was like, man, you've already, like, beat me four to two, like, like four games to two. And he goes, yeah, but I want to beat you five to two. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. He's, and, and so I was like, all right, bring it on, big man. Like, I, I mean, and then, of course, you already know what happened, right? He won, he won and five to two, he conquered me again. And uh, he laughed. And here's the thing. We love being conquerors, do we not? We love being victorious. We love to feel strong. We love the idea of more than conquerors because the opposite of that is weakness. And weakness is something in our culture today that we avoid. It's something that we don't like to think about. We try to hide. And at best, we try to spin any weakness as we have as an area of development. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what we do with our weaknesses and most of us don't like weaknesses. We like strength. We like to win five to two because we don't even want to win. We want to win big, don't we? If we're going to win, might as well just like, you know, really win. You know what I'm saying? And so this is, this is something I want us to get into. In Romans, we find a paradoxical sort of relationship between strength and weakness. And it's really sort of interesting. So many of us want to walk in power and authority of Jesus, yet our everyday weaknesses and vulnerabilities have quite a bit of strength and power over us. This is, kind of, this is actually quite interesting. Think about your insecurities, your fears, your weaknesses, your struggles. Think about your sin. Think about the things that maybe have been failures, the things that have been challenges in your life, and think about how much power they have over you. Isn't that interesting? That in our weakness, there's so much, there's so much power that gets kind of put over our life. And here we have this verse that says we are more than conquerors. Yet, our vulnerabilities seem to have quite a bit of power. There's a lot of paradoxical sort of layers to this idea. And in Romans 12, 3, you can even look at what it says here. And I could, I could read a lot of verses that are similar to this one, by the way. It says, I would ask each of you to be emptied of any self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. <laughs> so here you have this on one hand, like, you are more than a conqueror. And on the other hand, uh, don't think you're too important. In fact, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. 
And, and sometimes these messages, although they make sense for them, someone who's maybe been a Christian a long time, oh yeah, there's this humility of Jesus, but there's all this power. There's, but there's this tension between the two, and I'm touching on something that I feel like is really going on in our world today, and there's a cultural pres- pressure to feel strong. You know what I'm talking about? To win, to get to the top, to keep up with everyone else's life. Social media is a great example of how we, we, we not only compare, but we contrast and we try to keep up with our photos and where we've been and the things we do and the places we've eaten. And we try and keep up because we want to be not only as good as him or her, we'd like to be, feel a little better about ourselves in some way. And it's not maybe the same as it was a few decades ago where it was about the, the, the and I'll know this still exists today, but the but the business ladder of success, it's, so more, it's a little bit different now. It's a little nuanced into the social kind of need to feel some sort of strength and power. And there are two things that are hard about that. The first one is we, we, we feel this need to strive for strength, but yet so many of us feel so weak. Uh, I don't know how many, and we're going to keep talking, but I don't know how many of you would say, yeah, actually, if I'm being really honest today, I feel like I'm kind of walking in some weakness. And secondly, if you're a person of faith, the Christian message is often things like be humble, be a servant, the first shall be last, kill him with kindness, all good things. Hear me out. All wonderful things. But what happens is that message feels different than, oh, yeah, Oh, yeah, God is for you. Then who can be against you? Now go and conquer the world. <laughs> You're more than a conqueror. Like there's this, there's, this, there's this interesting dynamic, and I know that that scripture speaks to nothing can conquer God's love, but there's this also this other piece of the fact that God has called us to go and to be overcomers, people of strength. And so we have this, this tension that lies between this thing that we're supposed to embody, which is the humility of Jesus, but also this other thing we're supposed to embody, which is the strength of of power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus. Do you feel this paradox? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not only on a spiritual level, but it's in an everyday level where one day we feel weak and the next day we feel strong. So it feels a little bit like this, and there's sort of this tension between feeling strong and weak, and it feels like they pull one way or the other, do they not? And we feel weak, and then our faith, we feel like we're supposed to be strong, and the next we're supposed to be vulnerable, and we are conquerors, yet we are also supposed to be meek and mild. By the way, once you start reading Romans, um, this is sort of what happens. You read it, and in one breath, it's like a punch, punch to the gut, and in the next breath, it's like, oh, the good news of, of Jesus. It's like, ooh, you know what I mean? Many in this room feel weak and, and from things. I know this. You feel weak from things like failure or never getting over the hump. We feel depleted by struggles within ourselves like loneliness or depression. Or maybe we feel misunderstood. I know some feel weak from parental challenges or marital struggles or or challenges at work. Maybe you just have a boss that's hard to work with and, and you just feel weak. And I know that's where so many people are because I have enough conversations to know this is real. We feel weak, but we strive for strength. We strive to conquer the mountain. By the way, we strive to conquer the mountain even when it doesn't matter. 
because we are so set on winning. Not long ago, I had a, we were traveling, and I had one of those days where we did a lot of walking throughout the day, and, and I got to the end of the day, and I looked at my, uh, my, my watch, and I had the, you know, my steps for the day on it, and, and this is what it said at 11.27 p.m. that I had walked 29,524 steps. That's legit. And I thought, the conquering like, thing within me was like, I need to get 30,000 steps before this day is over. And so I started walking around our little room, like, you know, just trying to get there. And I got there at 11.52, 30,000 steps on the button. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Thank you. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing I do want to point out. You notice that says 15 miles. I don't, I've never ran a marathon, ran a half marathon, or anything like that. But here's my, here's my question to you. Like, a half marathon is 13.1 miles, um, and I did 15 miles in one day, so does this qualify me to get a 13.1 sticker to put in my car? Does it? Yes, okay, cool, 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 cool. It did take me like 16 hours to do it, but other than that. Um, we strive for strength, and we, we want to conquer the mountain, even in the moments when it doesn't matter. We always want to try and figure out how to win. And here's what I'm learning about what the scriptures teach, and I think you've probably been learning this too and trying to figure this out, is that the scriptures don't call us to be strong or weak. They call us to be strong and weak. Not like opposing forces, like pulling one another back and forth, but like coexisting realities that exist for a unique purpose in you. For example, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says this, For he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I love what it says in the Passion Translation of the Bible when it says that last part, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It says, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. So maybe, maybe you've heard this verse like, Oh, yeah, yeah, well, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Like, and we kind of say it out, you know, kind of occasionally here and there. But I don't know about you, but when I feel weak, I feel weak. <laughs> so I'm like, how, how does this make sense? And this is, this is where the tension lies. And it feels a little bit like this, you know, pull back and forth, this opposing sort of fo- forces sort of thing. Um, but let's consider the idea that strength and weakness isn't pulling against one another, but it's intended to be one motion and one Way. And I'll illustrate it with a handy two-by-two grid. I love some two-by-two grids because they, uh, they really enforce the idea of the genius of the and. And if you don't know what the genius of the and is, Jim Collins, business leadership guy, he wrote a book a long time ago called Built to Last, and he talks about the genius in the end in the context of business, meaning a lot of times businesses come up against a decision is an either-or decision, right? Like, for example, should it be low cost or high quality? And those sorts of questions become competing forces and they start pulling against one another. But then there came along this idea of, no, 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 what if it's both? What if it's low cost and high quality? Wouldn't that change the game? And so businesses started applying the business or the, the genius of the and. And for example, my son, six years old, he believes that McDonald's has achieved this low cost and high quality sort of quotient. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was funny. Um, <clears throat> So let's look at this two-by-two grid that I borrowed from another author, Andy Crouch, and perhaps another way to say strong and weak is authority and vulnerability. So the idea of a two-by-two grid is that you want your progress to go up and to the right, right? 
and that you see, as you see kind of that arrow on the screen doing, and this grid will show you what happens, of course, not only when you're living in strength and weakness, but will happen when you're just sometimes choosing one or the other, or maybe not even living in either. And so let's begin at the bottom right. When someone is living in high levels of weakness and low levels of strength, and this is probably where some of us are going to find ourselves, but maybe this person in their weaknesses and in, in, in their, their, their insecurities and their vulnerabilities are what seem to dominate their thinking. Uh, maybe this person is always feeling defeated. Maybe complaining is a normal behavior. Maybe this person always dwells on the bad things that have happened, dwells on the shortcomings, and finds it unnatural to talk about the good things that are happening. Maybe if this person is a Christian, they only think about their weaknesses, and that's what you hear them talk about, and the only thing they can find themselves really directing their prayers to is their weaknesses. And when a person lives here, the person will suffer. Life will be empty and lost, depression, low self-esteem, tons of insecurities exist in this place. Even when we consider this in the constructs of our faith, I want you to think about it. If we never exercise the power and the authority of Jesus in our life, if we never step into that call to walk in the authority of Jesus or pray in the authority of Jesus or act in the authority of Jesus, we never pull that, pull that into our life. And instead, we emphasize all the things that are more about the meek and mild version of Jesus, which, by the way, are good things. Jesus was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He knew how to put the servant towel on more than anybody else. But Jesus also knew how to walk in authority. He knew how to step up in the, in the temple and say, you know what? This is, this is my father's house. This is a house of prayer. It will no longer be made into a den of robbers. He knew how to step out when the storms were raging. And he, he, he called out to the, to the waves and to the wind. And he said, peace be still. And they all went flat. He knew the authority of God, but he also knew the humility that he must walk in as a servant. And so I wonder sometimes, though, for, for Christians, what I've seen happen is so, much, so many of us are, are afraid of the authority, and we think, oh, the authority is not for me. And so we walk, we walk in the weakness, if you will, in the servanthood singularly. And when we do that, there's a bit of suffering that comes along with it. And there's a bit of suffering that comes along in the sense of, for some reason, my faith now becomes just a doormat for others to walk on because I'm always the one wanting to serve and I always end up with the short end of the stick instead of this place of saying, I know how to actually walk as Jesus walked in the authority where I'm actually changing the world around me by the things that I act in courage and boldness in. But I also, I also am changing the world around me through the way that I serve and act in humble acts of giving grace and mercy. And so there, there, there's, this, there's this reality that for a lot of us, we are... If I'm just being really honest, some of you are suffering. You're suffering intimately because you're struggling with so many real life things. And you're struggling in your faith because maybe you've never learned how to walk in the authority and the strength of Jesus. Maybe because you've been taught an incomplete theology. Or perhaps you've just been too afraid to trust that God can do more in you than you could ever do on your own. So maybe this is what happens to you, and some of us are in weakness. And then if you go up to the other corner, the, the, top, the top left, when strength is all that's emphasized in someone's life, and weakness is stuffed away. I don't know if you've ever met someone that's like, oh, no, 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 no. They never want to talk about anything vulnerable. And all they want to do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. <laughs> well, you can see that this leads to exploiting others. And you're like, oh, that's a little harsh. Let's think about it. You ever think about a person 
um, and maybe, maybe we find ourselves there where it seems to harness power for their own strength, and, and perhaps we can never be vulnerable or act like we have any weakness. Has anybody ever struggled with the idea of acting like you have any weakness? <laughs> those people become hardened to those who do have weakness. You ever see someone get a little intolerable of people with weakness? Like it bugs them and annoys them. And if all you strive for is strength, then you become hardened to the areas of weakness that exist all around you. And most of us struggle to identify this because we don't like the word exploiting. Perhaps I'll say it this way then. How vulnerable are you? Do you only present yourself as strong to others? I think about this in our Christian faith context and the people that have exercised authority and sometimes they exercise authority as God-given authority and so then they use that God-given authority in, an exp- in, in a way to exploit others and you've seen people abuse power and authority um, even from a spiritual context in our churches. Maybe you've seen that. But some of us are avoiding our vulnerabilities and believing that if we avoid them long enough, they'll go away and... Uh, Some of us are avoiding the calls of the scripture, right? To find strength in our weakness, and instead we only try and build strength from our own strength, from our own flesh. And in a way, what we're doing is we're actually exploiting our very own self because we're actually robbing ourselves of something better. And then if what if you were avoiding both, weakness and vulnerability? When someone avoids all types of authority and leadership and strength and then also chooses to avoid... Um, acts of vulnerability, they live a life that's about withdrawing, and they withdraw themselves, and we avoid boys, and we live a life of with, with withdrawn, and maybe it happens in people you know, where they just, they just sort of seem to find themselves in, in the comfortable middle, you know what I'm talking about, where they, someone avoids uh, not only acts of strength, where they step into, into authority, but also acts of vulnerability, where they, exp- you know, sort of open themselves up to others, and this is this idea of withdrawing, I believe, is one of, the, one of the messages for our city today, by the way, and it's for our culture today, is that if you think about it, how, where people are and what people are doing, uh, you even think about like sort of the cultural kind of words that we use like FOMO, the fear of missing out, like people are so, you know, focused on not missing out on something, but then at the same time, the same group of people are so, so afraid to commit to anything. <laughs> and so there's this, this strange thing where we, we don't want to be strong or weak. We, we, we kind of want to be in the middle. And what happens is we have this passive, lukewarm consumers that are all the rage. Does that sound familiar? These passive, lukewarm familiar, uh, consumers that are all the rage in the world desperately needs people who know how to walk in authority and vulnerability. This is, the person, this is the person who knows that they're more than a conqueror but does not think of themselves more highly than they ought to. To me, this is... <laughs> This has been the journey of my life. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm talking about something intellectually here today, but this is about heart. That I would walk in the authority that God has given me as a Christ follower, as an heir of the king, but I would also serve this world like Jesus served it. And what I'm finding is that we are so passive, lukewarm consumers that are filling our cities that we don't know how to do either one. And we're withdrawing from the God-given life that he's promised, which is one of flourishing, which is what happens when we embrace the genius of the end. Is that we start to flourish in life. A person of both of these things, 
learns what it means to live life to the full. And what it says in 1 Timothy 6, 19, I really like it with the way, I mean, we usually quote John 10, 10 when we say life to the full, but look at, let's go what he says in 1 Timothy. He says, in this way, we will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of a life that is truly life. A life, I want a life that is truly life. I'm about to, I'm about to finish here, but I think for so many of us, like, We can find ourselves on that two-by-two two grid if we want to. It's just a matter as if we want to. Or if we, or if we just would choose to withdraw. You know, um, we're about to sing in a moment, but, uh, but I, I, do rem- I, I do remember when I was a teenager and I, w- I, went, I went skiing for the first time. Anybody, anybody ski in the room? Skiers? Yeah. I was very excited about skiing. I was young. I'd never been before. I felt like, okay, I'm pretty sure I can grab a hold of this thing and do it. And, uh, and I, once I put the skis on, I became very weak. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I was, I was one little move away, like, you know, splits. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I was very vulnerable. And I remember my youth pastor, his name was Jimmy. He agreed to teach me to ski and and he didn't really, he didn't really believe in a baby steps philosophy. <laughs> he just like took me straight to the lift, and we went top to the top of the mountain. And if you've ever been skiing, you know that the most difficult part of learning how to ski is how to get on and off the lift. Anybody agree? And so I remember going up to the lift, and he's like, "Oh, you got this, you got this. You know, you're just gonna like, you know, just gonna let this thing kind of just sweep you up." And I'm like, "All right, okay." And so I get, I get, I do successfully get on the lift somehow, and I'm like going to the top of the mountain, going, "I have no idea what I'm doing." And, and then it hits me, how do I get off this thing, right? And so I do remember, like, I get to the top, and I just sort of, like, rolled off, you know, like, <laughs> it was just, I didn't know. I mean, it was just kind of tumble. And it, it was like Jimmy was like, hey, bro, like, you're just going to have to fall a few times, you know what I mean? Like, you will fall. And then he took me over to the mountain, and he skied backwards down the mountain. Like showing me how to like snow plow, you know, pizza pie, whatever. And showing me how to do this, how to turn, how to not hit trees, how to, you know, how to, how to basically ski. And I just remember like in that moment, it's so silly, but it's and within a few hours, you know, I was going down the mountain. And this thing that I was totally, you know, it was like in a short window of time, like good friends and good leaders they help you grow in vulnerability and authority and strength and weakness. Good leaders and good friends make you be more vulnerable, meaning willing to fall more. But they also help you grow in authority, willing to believe more, not only in yourself, but in the fact that you have Jesus in you. And I think about as silly as that little story is, like people in my life that have done what Jimmy have done, and they just said, you know, you can do it. You can do it. You're going to fall, and that's okay. And you're going to fail, and that's okay. And you're going to have to suffer, and there's going to be hardship, and there's going to be there's going to be death, oh, by the way, and there's going to be powers that come upon you from higher and lower. There's going to be things that, there's going to be all these things. The future is going to be unknown. Oh, these are these sound very much like that scripture, right, in, eight, in Romans 8. There's going to be things that come upon you in which you're going to have to know that you can conquer them. But it's not because of you. It's because of Jesus. 
And here's what I know is that in this room today is we have people that are suffering. You're suffering. I believe some of you are dwelling in your weaknesses. You're living outside of the authority that you've been given in Christ Jesus. And I understand it. It's hard to understand what that even means. But to step into what he's given you and who makes I mean, he makes you, of course, more than a conqueror, but, but we've lived, and maybe you're suffering in depression or loneliness, or maybe you have some sort of physical, rea- real ailment that's making you actually feel weak. And I want you to know that there is a strength that's available to you in Christ Jesus. And sometimes, sometimes we've, been, we've been spoon-fed bad theology that just helps us um, lead us away from the power that we have in Jesus. And I want to tell you today that there's so much power that you have in Jesus, and it's not for our own sake or for our own for for our own pleasure. It's for his sake and for his pleasure and for what God wants to do in this world, not only in us, but he wants to bring you life and bring life to the world around you. Some of you, some of you need to know that you have strength available to you today. And some of you are in that exploiting quadrant, and I know that you, maybe we don't like that word, but meaning all you have really sought is to be strong, and you, you struggle to show any sort of vulnerabilities or weaknesses, and it's, and maybe it's time to humble yourself before others and before the Lord and to say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this anymore. And here's what I know is that so many of us have put so much pressure on ourselves to be strong that we never want to feel weak. And I do know that some of you are in here doing that. Like you, I've done it before. You just feel this need to, to, to be, to do everything right. And I just want you to hear a word today that God is too kind for you to be perfect. Do you understand what I mean? He's too kind for you to feel like you can never have a moment that isn't about strength. God's too kind for that. He understands that you're not going to be perfect. He understands you're going to have weaknesses. And he understands that he will use those weaknesses as a portal to his power. And I think so many of us, we just we need to know that God is too kind to only expect strength. And some of us are living a withdrawn life, choosing to avoid the authority God has given you while also avoiding the vulnerability of becoming known to others. And this is a significant culprit in our culture today. We are withdraw from the authority and the vulnerability. And I want you and me, all of us, I want us to flourish, to be a person that is a conqueror and a servant, strong and weak, authoritative and vulnerable. And our city needs people Our city needs people who walk in the authority given to them in Christ Jesus, yet also walk in humility knowing that they are in need of a Savior every day. And so wherever you're at, my friend, wherever you're at, I I just, I, I feel for you because I've been there. I've been the person that's been weak. Going, God, I, I can't think about anything else other than my, the power of the weakness that grips me. I've been the person that only wants to strive for strength and wants to be on top. I've been the person that's withdrawn. I, I get it. I've been there. I'm, I'm there in moments all the time. But I want to I want to encourage us today that there is there is a way of the kingdom. There's a way of Jesus that He's made for us. But it starts with you, sort of saying, "Okay, Lord." This is where I'm at, and I, and I want to embrace and step in to what you have for me. So I want to pray for us. Would you just bow your heads? We're going to have a moment of prayer and a moment of worship. And I don't know, maybe you're, maybe if I said, are you feeling, are you connecting with this idea that you've been suffering? Kind of overwhelmed at the, the weakness that you feel day in and day out. You're like 
Tim, you don't know the struggle is real. I get that. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Maybe you're the person that has just been striving for strength, to live in strength, to make sure you do it all right, to make sure you never mess up, to make sure you aren't weak. Uh, Whatever it is that you've just been muscling through, and it's so much pressure on you, so much weight on you. And I just want you to know that Jesus, he says that I can take that weight from you. My burden is easy. My way is light. And then, of course, for those of us who maybe are like, the truth is, is probably I've embraced mediocrity. I've chosen the soft middle. Or I don't walk in either strength or weakness. I just try and avoid it all. (laughs) And we all find ourselves in that place at times in life. And I just want to pray for you as well. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my friends. I pray for each and every one of us. The Lord, as we walk through this paradoxical sort of um, challenging understanding of how to be strong and weak, I pray that, Father, you would, you would meet people where they're at. For those who feel weak, that, Father, they would know that they're strong in you. For those who feel like they've been striving for strength, that they would find that, Father, there's a peace and there's a kindness with that comes with your love. And I pray they would feel that today. And for those, Father, that just have found themselves sort of maybe not leaning in to the, the promises of your of the goodness of your power and authority, but also in, in, in the strength that you give us, but also in the, in the, in the humility of serving and, 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 and being okay with our vulnerabilities and bringing those things to you, Father. For, for anybody in a withdrawn space, I pray right now that we would humbly walk in authority and vulnerability as a person who is more than a conqueror, but never thinks of ourselves more highly than we ought to. We want to be your servant leaders, Father. We want to be, we want to be, Father, um, we want to pray with authority, but also relate with vulnerability. Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus, that we will be conqueror and servant, strong and weak, authoritative and vulnerable. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing for a few minutes? Our prayer team will be around. Our altar's always open to prayer. You may need some prayer today related to what we're talking about or maybe just because you need it in life. And so come, use this time as a time of reflection and response. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.